When I told the elders that I'd like an opportunity to preach, I didn't expect that Matt was going to take the steps that he did in order to assure that I got that opportunity. <laughs> but I do feel wanted. I do feel wanted. Bit of background. The topic this morning, and, and this was to be a two-message series, uh, is giving. Wait, just, just please stay in your seats. Uh, today I'm going to talk about reasons not to give, so you don't want to miss that. As a bit of background, first of all, the elders did not ask me to preach on this topic because due to any belief that everyone uh, needed to give more. On the contrary, we as a group recognize that we are a generous congregation for our size. Do we have plans and ministries that we would pursue if we had more money? Yes, we do. But when the Lord, and when the Lord provides that, we will take those steps. However, our primary concern is that we all grow together as a community, and while that may touch on money, it involves far more significant issues. We would never want fundraising to get in the way of growth, of that growth. Some people, when they hear the pastor preach on giving, assume that he wants a raise. For those of you who are visitors, I'm an unpaid elder, so there is no personal profit motivation here. I asked to preach on giving. I asked because it has been a blessing to me and my family, and I would like to see all of us, as the Lord blesses and enables, experience the joy that we have shared as the result of the giving that we have done. Also, there are a number of false teachings, at worst, false beliefs at best, surrounding the practice of giving. I don't want to see any of us trapped or deceived by uh, those errors. There's a, I, I guess this, this, is a, this is kind of a twofer. Um, uh, the elders did a, 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 a reevaluation of our use of ministry space, and we found some space that we thought could be better utilized uh, in other ways, and uh, it's currently, most of it is currently used for storage. And so before we can start to use that space for something else, we have to clean out the stuff that's in there. In order to go forward, we have to get rid of the stuff that we don't need. That's kind of what Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 talks about says that we must remove, re, we have a choice between having our minds conformed to the patterns and practices of this world or transformed into the re, with the renewal of the Holy Spirit through God's word so that we can better represent him in the world in which we walk. So we have to get rid of the old stuff, the wrong stuff, the junky stuff, the stuff that ties us down and misleads us, and we have to replace it with the stuff that is good, pure, true, and excellent so that we can maximize the impact of our lives for our God and Father 
and his son, Jesus Christ. In a later message, we're going to look at biblical motivation and teaching on giving. In addition, this summer in the ABF, which meets uh, down in room 104, I believe, at 9.30, from 9.30 to 10.30 on Sunday mornings, uh, we're going to have a more interactive discussion on giving. So if you have questions as a result of what you hear today and uh, in the second message, uh, you can come to the interactive ABF and express them, or you can talk to uh, any of the elders um, that, that, that you see around, or even, even me. Um, I'm always happy to talk to anybody about anything I ever said. So, bad reasons to give. Number one bad reason to give is to get to heaven. Number one bad reason to give is to get to heaven. Imagine, uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with Wawa. If you're not a, a fan of their coffee, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've driven by. And uh, imagine if you went into a Wawa and you poured yourself a cup of coffee and you went to check out and you set it on the counter and uh, the, 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 the individual said, the, the, the cashier said, uh, you know, that'll be, you know, whatever size, you know, you got. And uh, you, you looked down at your boots and there was some mud on them and you said, well, I have mud. I'll give you mud for my coffee. They would probably explain to you that mud was not acceptable. And perhaps you would misunderstand and think that it was because you weren't offering enough mud. And so, uh, you know, if it was me, I would say I have a big pile of, which is true, if you, any of you need mud, I have a big pile of mud in my backyard. You can come help yourself, or I could offer it to Wawa, because obviously I didn't offer enough mud to pay for my coffee. And no doubt they would eventually uh, get the message through to me that it doesn't matter how much mud you offer, mud cannot pay for coffee. Coffee has to be paid for with money. The scriptures make a, a, a similar, have a similar statement that uh, salvation, eternity with God in paradise, in heaven, peace with God, righteousness before God, forgiveness of our sins, cannot be purchased with mud, with money. Can only be purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if we, if we look at Romans chapter three, verses 22 to 26, and uh, I'll read them in the uh, English Standard Version. And this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as the atoning sacrifice through faith in his blood in order to demonstrate his, God's righteousness, because in his forbearance he had passed over the sins committed beforehand. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be both just and to justify 
the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, if you want to unpack that verse, you have to like really focus on it and everything. And we have more to say today. So there's two things we want to take from this. First of all, God is righteous, completely righteous. He is holy. And if we are to be in his presence, we must be holy as well. The second statement is we are not holy because all have sinned and come short of the, holy, of, the, of the glory of God. And the third statement, which I should have listed when I said there were only two, the third statement that we see here is that God has made the provision for our righteousness through faith in his son's shed blood. In Hebrews chapter uh, 9, verses 21 and 22, we see that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. So I two questions, and I, and I want you to answer them out loud now. Can you buy coffee with mud? What pays for forgiveness? Blood. Okay, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 kind of ties it up when it says, knowing that you were not redeemed, speaking to believers, talking about their redemption, which had happened in the past, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb spotless and without blemish. To summarize, giving to the church or to God cannot make any difference in whether you go to heaven or not. The only way to eternity with God our Father is through faith in the death and resurrection of his Son. To try to buy eternal peace in God's presence, forgiveness of our sins in any other way, is like trying to pay for coffee with mud. The second bad reason to give is to get wealthy. Uh, I'm sure some of you are familiar with the term prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is a teaching that is a perversion of the truth of the gospel that says that the gospel can be a tool for you to be prosperous, and this is talking about in a material sense. I have a friend in Haiti, his name is Sally Song. Uh, he's a believer, he's a committed believer. When I initially met him and through most of the time that I knew him, which was across, my, my family and I were missionaries in Haiti for 17 years. Sorry, I realize not everybody knows that. Uh, I guess for the, for the time, most of the time that I knew him, um, he struggled with a desire for greater material blessing. Now, understand in his case, Greater material blessing meant being able to pay for school for his kids and to provide them with a diet of more than 1,200 calories a day on a regular basis. He wasn't saying, uh, Lord, can't you give me a Mercedes Benz, okay? His friends didn't all have Porsches. He pursued a number of ill-considered business propositions which never brought success, never got the goal that he wanted. Eventually, he ended up at a voodoo ceremony 
where uh, after, as a part of a voodoo ritual, he would plant a sum of money, which he had saved up. And it would grow as time passed. While waiting for his turn in the ritual, he heard a voice say to him, my son, why are you here? He knew this was the Lord speaking to him. At the same time, he felt as if his skin was on fire. He fled naked into the night, made his way home. He confessed his sin and returned to walking with the Lord. I wish I could say that God rewarded him with the ability to pay for school for his kids and more than 1,200 calories a day in food. But not much changed. He did get a regular job. It didn't pay well, particularly well, but it was a regular income. The point is that he believed that he, the material blessings were worth more than the relationship with God, than his relationship with God, until he realized that God cared about him as his son. There's an expression some of you might have heard, which is seed faith. Seed faith is a term Oral Roberts used to refer to our giving to God as a seed we sow, not a debt we owe. He would say God has a plan for your needs to be met. When you sow your seed, when you give your resources, you can expect that God sees your giving and will multiply back to you what you have given, just as he promises. We're gonna talk about promises a little bit later in the message, so hold that thought for the time being. But this, this belief says that there are only two reasons to give to God out of a sense of indebtedness to discharge a burden or because, well, I have to do this. You know, like paying your mortgage. You like to live indoors, so you pay your mortgage. It's not because you love your mortgage company. I propose that there are two additional considerations. First, there's a third reason to give, and that is out of joyful obedience in response to the Lord's generosity to us and a desire to be used by him to bless those around us and establish a foretaste of his kingdom here on earth before he returns. Second, I believe this error is rooted in a desire more focused on the Lord's blessings to us than his relationship with us. If we look at uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse five, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's, the author of Hebrews is saying, focus on the relationship. Don't get distracted by the blessings. Praise the Lord for them. Go to him in prayer when you have needs. No problem. But let your focus be your relationship with him because he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Now, I was the third person that Sallison talked to after his, you know, fleeing the ritual thing. 
And so I got his thoughts when they were still fresh and unpolluted, and his belief was that God had abandoned him. Focus on the relationship, not on the blessings. Proverbs 11, verse 28, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green, excuse me, like a green leaf. Ask yourself the question, where is my trust? Is my trust in my relationship with God and his expressed love and promise for me? Or is it in stuff? 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all, this is the love of money, okay? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The love of money, the desire for wealth, the belief that wealth counts over everything, that the status and position that it may or may not bring us is worth everything to us, leads only to disappointment. Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money. It's a choice. I mean, Jesus said that. You cannot serve God and money. Don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. You can't have it both ways. You either serve God or you serve money. You can't mix it up together. It's kind of like putting to go back to mud. It's kind of like putting mud in your milkshake. Either your purity is to serve God and know him, or you're going to run after the bucks. So if we are giving so that our Lord will see our faith and honor it, answer our prayers or meet our needs, we're missing the point of giving. Anytime we do anything to get God's attention, to try to get God's attention or to influence him to respond as we want, we must consider carefully what we value more, our relationship with the Lord or our personal desires. Who do we believe is wiser? A third, bully, a third bad reason to give is because you feel guilty to make yourself feel good. Now, uh, as I said, my, my family and I spent a significant amount of time in Haiti, and um, I used Wawa as an example because I, I happen to like their lattes. And um, every time I buy a latte, which costs, ish $5-ish, I remember that I have friends, good friends, who would work all day and not quite make that $5. So, let's say I feel guilty, which frankly, I don't. And if you want to know why I don't, then you have to come to the ABF, okay? But let's say I feel guilty. And so as a result, I say, ah, well, you know, I'll do something out of guilt not to glorify God, not to establish his kingdom, but to make me feel good. 
bad reason to give. Here's an even, here's an even worse example, okay? Um, I spoke harshly and sar sarcastically to my wife, Nancy. Now, I guess standard world's men book, I should go out and buy her a box of chocolates, right? Because if I give her something, if I spend money, that makes it all better, right? No, it doesn't. What makes it all better is when you go up and say, sweetie, I'm really sorry. I should not have spoken to you in that sarcastic manner. Please forgive me. I don't have any scriptures for this one. This is just in there because I think it's true. And I think that it fits in the tone of scripture. The key to understanding this passage is come to the ABF, where we will discuss the difference between worldly guilt and godly guilt. We have to judge whether we are feeling one or the other and then act accordingly. Although giving may be in, involved, it is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. There's another bad reason for giving. That's so that others will see your generosity and they'll say, ooh, look at him up there, generous guy. Jesus talked about that. Matthew chapter six, verses one through four, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give, the, give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. If you're giving so that others will honor you, recognize that their honor is the only reward you're gonna get. While we can be too silent about God's blessings to and through us, something that I personally have struggled with, there is a fine line between seeking his honor and seeking our own. We should be very careful not to be on the wrong side of that line. There's another passage that strikes me as, as, as I think about this. And, and um, the Lord said uh, at one point through one of the prophets, he says, I am a jealous God. I will not give my honor to another. If I give and I take the glory for it, I publicize it. Now, there's an idea. I think we have security cameras on the giving boxes. We could just run the, the video so we could see who gave and who didn't, right? And then all the people who gave would get credit. That's why I should never go off script, by the way. <laughs> Beware that we don't steal God's glory. We have nothing that he didn't give us. And when we use it, it should be for him. And then the fifth and final reason at least on, on, today's, on today's list. A bad reason to give is to get God to like you, to get God to bless you. 
Now this idea is based on Old Testament theology that is, that is misappropriated, okay? Uh, imagine that, that I'm at home here and, uh, my, my, and it was many years ago when my daughter was going to school and lived at home. And uh, my daughter came in the door on her way home from school, you know, with, with her brother and everything. And I turned to her and I said, sweetie Ruthie, uh, would you mind mowing the lawn for me? The lawn really needs to be mowed. I'll give you 10 bucks. That's how long ago it was. And, and, sh and so, you know, she comes back at dinner. She says, Dad, I mowed the lawn. I give her $10. I thank her. I tell her she's a wonderful daughter. I really hate mowing the lawn. And uh, so the, the next day, uh, you know, the day goes through, and uh, we, we get to dinner. We sit down at the table, and my son says to me, um, Dad, I mowed the lawn. And I say, why? He said, well, you told Ruth that if she mowed the lawn, you would give her 10 bucks. And I want the 10 bucks because I did what you told her to do at a different time with a different need, but I want you to honor that promise. Now, in reality, I would have told both of them, sweetie, mow the lawn, please. You can have supper tonight. But, you know, that said, I only say that because one, my one son is still here, and he would set you straight if I didn't, okay? But the point is that you can't just take a promise and, and, and pull it out of here and bring it over here and expect it to be honored. Micah 6 Verses six through eight, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will he be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Even in the Old Testament, in the midst of a culture where God had said to the people, which we're gonna look at some examples in a moment, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you grant me physical external obedience, I will bless you with external material goods. Even in that world, the prophet Micah recognized and reminded them that the sacrificial system did not they, they couldn't buy coffee with mud there either. And that God's final interest, his real interest, was in the heart attitude of his people. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, and then verse 15. This is God speaking to the people of Israel. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And then the next 13, 14 verses, 13 verses, outline all the different ways that God will bless the people of Israel in exchange for their obedience. 
And then in verse 15, he says, but if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall be upon you and overtake you. Their material blessings were conditional on their obedience. Now, this is not related to salvation, okay? It's to be clear, and we, we don't have time to develop why, why I would say that and what this is related to. This is related to obedience, uh, sanctification. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, speaking of our blessings in Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We have already received the spiritual blessings that were not promised to the people of Israel as a result of their obedience. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The old covenant of the Old Testament of physical obedience yielding physical blessing is passing away at that point because they were in that transitional period was passing away. Now it has passed away. And it's been replaced with a new covenant that we celebrate on the first Sunday of every month. Luke chapter 22, verse 20, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. We already talked about blood. We already talked about its role. But this is the new covenant. When we look at Old Testament passages that contain promises, we must be mindful of the distinction between the old and new covenants. Often promises for the Old Testament are treated as promises for today. This is an error, and this is especially true in the area of giving. Since unbelievably I am running a little ahead of the clock, um, it's important that you understand I am not saying that the Old Testament has nothing to say to us. The Old Testament reveals the character of God. It reveals his love and concern for his people. It shows us how he interacts with the nations. It establishes the concept of sacrifice. What I am saying is when you read it, read it as it was written to those who initially heard it. There are parts in the Old Testament that do not apply to our lives today. And yet the Old Testament is rich in revelation concerning the character of God, the actions of God, the heart's desires of God, and the history of his interactions with his people. So to wrap up, Giving cannot pay for our salvation or draw attention to our faith. It is not a tool to purchase God's blessing or acquiescence to our desires. Although God promised Israel material blessings in exchange for their obedience, he has already given us far more in our position in his son and with the indwelling Holy Spirit. 
promises for another people in another time are not necessarily promises for us. Giving to feel better about our wrongs or to gain praise and honor of men is short-sighted and doesn't really give us any lasting benefit. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the strength and the wisdom that is brought by your indwelling Holy Spirit. I pray that as we consider these unbiblical reasons to give, that in our hearts we would recognize if we suffer from these errors and that by your power and we would be transformed, freed from error, and able to live life as you intended us to live it. We pray too that you would help us to give in a way that honors you. We thank you that you have given us the option to participate in what you are doing here on earth as a child can participate with his father even when they can't do the work themselves on their own. Now, Lord, bless us, keep us, and sanctify us. In Jesus' name, amen.